Would you meet with us today? Give each of us a living, transformative encounter with you. Amen. So last week, Ken and Tim introduced our series for the summer, Lift Up Your Eyes. I'm blessed to bring this theme to you today through the Exodus 14 story of the Red Sea Crossing. This is a passage of scripture through which God ministered to me a few years ago. I had been in denial about needing to surrender something or someone actually to Jesus and to acknowledge that the story that I thought God was writing in our relationship wasn't actually his story at all. He gently led me to a place where I understood what I had to do, what I had to let go of, but it stung. He soothed my heart with Exodus 14 and 15, and one of the verses was my screensaver on my phone for an entire year as I learned to come to grips with my new understanding of reality. What our human eyes can see is influenced not only by what is actually happening, but possibly even more so by what we believe about what is happening. And our perceptions are often far more distorted than we realize. Part of our journey of becoming like Christ is to learn to see as he sees to lift up our eyes. Last week, Ken and Tim referred to this as a fish becoming aware of the water it's swimming in. Anglican priests in Indianapolis, Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby, refer to it as the glasses we wear or our paradigm. And I apologize, this is not a book commercial, but I just have to tell you guys, this book came out last week by Anglican priests Matt and Ben. They're in Bishop Todd Hunter's diocese. Many of us read... um, Rich Philotus last year, The Deeply Formed Life, and we're deeply touched by that. One of the five practices in Rich's book is interior examination. This book is sort of a follow-up, eight axioms that will help us go deeper into interior um, examination, and Rich Philotus endorsed it along with um, Bishop Todd Hunter. So I'll be It came in the mail this week just as I was preparing my sermon, so I'll be referring to it. I don't want to rip them off, so I will let you know. Um, So anyway, they talk about it as putting on the glasses we wear, or in other words, our paradigm. In their book, they said, everyone who encountered Jesus misunderstood him, not because they were stupid, but because he operated from a different paradigm than they did. Think about that. Every single person misunderstood Jesus. They were wearing distorted glasses, and so are we. The Apostle Paul says that for now, we see as if in a mirror dimly. And so Matt and Ben argue in their book that first, we need to become aware that our vision is through our own unique set of glasses. And two, we need to notice the ways that our glasses shape our perception of reality. So let's talk about what is real. When looking through clear glasses, we will see that God is love. So every detail of his story and ours is all about love. Let's test this reality against our scripture story for today. Exodus 14 tells us that the Israelites at the Red Sea lifted their eyes and that the lens their eyes were looking through was fear. Humanly speaking, 
with empathy and compassion for these dear people, we can say, of course it was. They were trapped by the sea. An army was bearing down on them. Their response was a very human reaction to the reality that they perceived. Their hope of freedom seemed about to be cruelly stripped away through violence and death. Their panic seemingly matched their circumstances. And yet, in this story, where it looks so hopeless, we see three realities about God's love. The first one is that God's redemptive love is not earned. Notable in this story is that the Israelites' fear did not result in losing God's protection and love. The reality is, for us, God doesn't love me because I'm good. God loves me because he is good. Reality number two about God's love. God's love is restorative. How can that be when there are difficult parts of the story? The story is about Israelites and Egyptians, and yet we're claiming that God's love is restorative. What we have to do is dial back to the greater arc of story of the scripture and remember that the Israelites were carrying the seed of the promised Messiah. For the Egyptians to wipe them out at this point would be for the Egyptians to wipe out their own hope of redemption. God is preserving the line of Israel for Jesus to come to us incarnate in the fullness of time. And Jews had important roles in the infancy of the church. In protecting Israel at the Red Sea, God was protecting all of humanity, including the Egyptians, from the utter destruction that would have come by cutting off Israel, the people through whom the Messiah was to come for the love of all humanity. Third point, God's love is steadfast. In the chapter immediately following the Red Sea crossing, Moses and the people of Israel sing a song of gratitude and praise to the Lord. Their song is 18 verses long. I'll just read you one, verse 13. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Which leads us to reality too. When we're looking through clear lenses, we can see that God is always present and at work. He never leaves us alone. With the benefit of these clear lenses of hindsight, the Israelites could see the reality that the Red Sea crossing was all about God's unfailing love for them. But don't forget that one chapter earlier, these same Israelites on the other side of the Red Sea cynically taunted Moses. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? One side of the Red Sea, cynicism. The other, an awareness of God's love and presence. What changed? It wasn't reality. I'd argue that God's plan for the story was the same on both sides of the Red Sea. It was the Israelites' perception of that reality, their lenses or their paradigm. God's character was the same before and after the crossing. His intentions, his love, his purpose, and his presence in the very visible flame and smoke, all unchanged. I wonder, what would this story read like if the Israelites had the lenses to accept that God is all about love and that he is present and at work on the other side of the Red Sea before the crossing. 
and then bringing it to us today, I wonder what our stories would look like if we had the lenses to accept that God is all about love and present at work in our messiness right here. If he is, that means he meets us in our messy reality, that he cares about it even more than we do, and that he can be trusted with the outcome. Reality number three, God is just like Jesus. I don't know about you, but many times when I read the Old Testament stories, I'm tempted to believe a heresy about the Trinity, that the God of the Old Testament is different from the Jesus of the New Testament. But that is simply not true. In John 14, Philip asked Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Philip's lenses were dirty. Jesus replies with a lens clarifying, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. What do we see in Jesus when we're wearing clear lenses? We see Jesus as the one who perfectly reveals the true nature of God, the one who loves the actual you, the you who frets beside your own Red Sea, who struggles with cynicism and doubt and despair. Your restoration to all that he made you to be does not depend on you. Your God is present with you right here, right now, in the spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't show up when we summon him or behave the right way. Instead, we wake up to his never failing presence when we allow him to disrupt our cloudy patterns of seeing. I mentioned earlier about coming to a hard place where I had to acknowledge that the story I thought God was writing in a particular relationship wasn't his story at all. This need to view the reality of this situation is still ongoing. Not much has changed or resolved in three years. The distorted lens I keep trying to put back on is that it's somehow on me to fix this for God. It's up to me to do the work for God, to control the situation, to change the person. The truth God reminds me of so gently and lovingly over and over again is, I care more about this person than you do, Jen. I'm actively at work in your life and theirs, even when you both make bad decisions. An exercise in the book that I showed you is helping me to learn to put on these corrective lenses, to consent to God's activity and to surrender to his presence. And so I'd like to close our time together today by sharing this exercise with you. If you would enter into an imaginative exercise with me, close your eyes if it helps. Imagine Jesus is standing in front of you. He's looking at you with a steady, attuned, gentle presence. He's receiving your emotions and your questions just as they are with compassion and empathy. Whatever emotions you're feeling, whether it's anger, sadness, pain, fear, or similar, trust that God can handle it and he doesn't want you to bypass it. If you are greatly disturbed in your spirit, 
imagine him becoming so as well with you. Just like when he went with Mary to Lazarus' tomb, he is accompanying you to your place of pain. Imagine him weeping with you about the situation, whatever it is. Allow yourself to soak in his care for you and his care for the things that trouble you. What is Jesus saying to you? What is he doing? Now, allow yourself to set aside whatever it is you hope Jesus will do about your situation and shift your prayer from, why aren't you doing something, to, Jesus, I trust that you care about this situation more than I do. Show me how you're at work already in this situation. If you're noticing anything, take some time later today to make note of it. And if not, that's okay too. Regardless, try persisting in this prayer every time the thing you shared with Jesus this morning comes back to your mind over the next days and weeks. Jesus, I trust that you care about the situation more than I do. Show me how you're at work in this situation. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus, that you love us and you never leave us alone. Help us to see as you see. Help us to look for you, to see you, to see you with ever clearer lenses, to trust you and to love you more and more. Amen.